Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. If you tell me this fellow turns up the penalty area, he's going to play alongside Romero, who turns up the penalty area, possibly with Pedro Porro on the right-hand side, who turns up in the penalty area, um, with a doggy on the other side who likes to turn up on the penalty spot. This is the kind of Spurs team I've been calling out for. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to The View from the Lane, the award-winning Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. Joining me, your host, Danny Kelly, are the Athletics' James Moore. Happy birthday to James, uh, Tim Spears, and returning special guest and our German undercover agent, Seb Stafford-Bluer. Coming up on this episode, we are in celebration mode as Spurs finally signed a left-sided centre-back. Uh, welcome to the Spurs and Mickey van der Ven. We'll also be discussing Harry Kane and that lap of honour after scoring one, two, three, four goals against Shakhtar Donetsk on Sunday. And we'll start with the positive in, in, in the imminent signing of van der Ven. And I have to say, I need a positive here because I spent yesterday um, at a wonderful festival um, down in Waterford called All Together Now, in which I interviewed the legendary Republic of Ireland footballer, arguably the best uh, footballer the Republic has ever, ever produced, um, Liam Brady. There were about 500 people in the tent. And when I said, how many of you support Arsenal? Every single one, except one, put up their hand. Um, and they turned out he was a West Ham fan. Um, and every time I mentioned Tottenham Hotspur, there was a round, um, and I think really quite well-natured round of booing. Um, and so I was in a very negative environment yesterday. Um, the event went gangbusters. I need a small amount of therapy to recover from it. And that's going to be given to us in the form, I think, um, of a new signing at last at left centre-back. Seb Stafford-Bluer is here with us to talk about Van der Ven. I mean, let's start with, uh, tell us something about this guy. He's 22 years old. He's not yet played for the Dutch national team. What are Spurs getting for their considerable outlay, Seb? Right. Well, in no particular order, good athlete. Big player, left-sided, left-footed. Played most of last season for Wolfsburg as a left-sided centre-back in a back four. Can play on the left of a back three. Can occasionally play as a full-back two. Uh, very quick. Good with the ball at his feet. Not an expressive passer. So I think one of the tempting comparisons to draw is probably Jan Vertonghen, but not quite as elegant as Vertonghen. Not, a, not, not really an artisan defender, Danny. Very big guy. Uh, certainly, I, I think most people have seen the footage of him chasing down that Union Berlin counterattack in the 94th minute from the Pokal last season. And um, whilst a good indication of his strengths, I think it's, it's important to remember that there are a few there are a few rough edges here. So uh, it's a big fee for him. It's also a big fee for a player who will need to be allowed to make a few mistakes. So with that great speed and size that he has, sometimes comes a little bit of clumsiness think of him like um i put this in an article i wrote about him think of him like that big rock from indiana jones so he can chase people down he's kind of physically intimidating when he gets to the point where he tackles someone sometimes um all of that kinetic energy can work against him and he can just clean everybody out 
But there is a there is a good player there. There is a caveat that I just because I've seen a lot of the optimism and I I, I think it's a great signing. However, very important to remember that Mickey van der Veen has played in Wolfsburg before that. Volendam in, in the Netherlands. These are not big places. Wolfsburg have the reputation of a big football team. They're not really. They week to week they play in front of about twenty five thousand people. It's a town that's focused on its Autostadt, which is its um it's a massive, massive sort of sprawling museum which celebrates their motoring industry history. But they're not, they don't play within the glare of their own population or the German media. There's not a lot of scrutiny there. Bad moments, bad performances don't lead to the kind of social media vilification that they will inevitably do in the Premier League. So quite a few little, quite a little sort of, you know, things to be wary of as he he moves over to England, I think. But very good player and could become an excellent one in time. What Seb is saying, Danny, is uh, you need to go easy on him. He's not. He's not going to be able to take your your wicked barbs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well, actually, I was going to ask Seb a straightforward question. How quick is he? I mean, I get these. The you know people say, oh, he's the quickest player in the Bundesliga. I mean, if he's got if he's got pace, that has implications, doesn't it? It means that Spurs are looking to play a much higher line, and um, the only downside of that, and that's all upside for me is that where Romero currently gets booked for mad tackles 40 yards forward of his own position, that means he'll be getting booked in the opposition penalty area uh, come next season. Um, how quick is he? Can he, can, he, or can he allow Spurs to play away from the edge of their own penalty area as they've done for the past three seasons? Yeah, no question. Last season, I think you mentioned it, Danny, last season he was measured as being the quickest centre-half in Germany. And uh, yes, that's. I, I know sometimes those statistics are a little bit misleading and they throw up slightly bizarre answers. But no, in this instance, very quick. He also, the Romero comparison is interesting because he also likes to carry quite high up the pitch. He'll also appear in the opposition penalty box. So that's something that will obviously need to be balanced. But with him... Um, I don't think, you know, if he were to be uh, playing a defensive line up on the halfway line and have to chase back, there are very few players who he couldn't catch, I, I, I think. Um, another thing that probably want to want to put in there, so like, you know, with sort of all this athleticism and, and speed, sometimes in the Bundesliga last season, he looked a little bit exposed against nimble, agile attacking players. So uh, there are a couple of examples which you could find, uh, presumably, where he gets squared up in a position by a player with a low center of gravity, player shifts the ball from right foot to left foot, vice versa. And he's he's quite a passive defender. Like he's not he's not Romero in the sense that he doesn't have that uh, that urge to make a tackle regardless of the situation. He's someone who would rather respond to what's happening. So he'd rather uh, slow an attack down than jump in and smash a player, for instance. Um, and so sometimes that instinct can lead to him uh, being undone by a kind of a, yeah, as I say, a very nimble player who's able to kind of uh, skillfully shift the ball like a, a sort of a Mohamed Salah type. Um, and there are quite a few players like that in the Premier League. So that's something to be Even wary Even Virgil van Dijk occasionally struggles against ex- exactly extreme that. nimbleness. And, you know, yes, that, that's the price you pay for having great big blokes at the back, isn't it? Yes. I think um, an interesting thing here, he's obviously individually got a lot of very strong attributes. I just wondered, Seb, how you feel having watched Spurs a lot, how's he going to feel? How's he going to fit into the dynamic of the defence? You know, he's, a, lot, a lot's going to be asked of him, I think, um, particularly with how attack-minded this team's going to be. If a doggy is the man next to him, then, you know, he's he's going to have to learn pretty quickly in the Premier League. Fullbacks are going to push forward. You've got the Romero partnership as well as a back two. How, how, how do you see him fitting in with the dynamic? 
Yeah, it, it is going to take a little bit of time, Tim. Also worth noting that at Wolfsburg, he plays behind Maxi Arnold, who's, I would say, one of the best deep passing the midfielders in the league. I'm getting on a little bit, um, but Arnold um, is outstanding in that area. So there isn't a lot of... Um, there isn't a lot of emphasis on what he does with the ball over long range. He can pass, he's pretty decent, he can recycle possession, but that's something I don't necessarily see that at Spurs. There's no Arnold equivalent at the club at the moment who can pass to the same level of um, quality from those areas, so something that might have to be adapted. I think a big part of his early weeks and months will be about learning the positional habits of a doggy and also learning to anticipate what Romero does because obviously he's super instinctive centre-back, obviously. And my main concern within a two is that one of those players is going to have to become a little bit more deferential. And I would say it would probably be Van der Veen. So that's going to be part of this. And it's not something which it wasn't really the same at Wolfsburg. He played alongside Maxence Lacroix. Great name, by the way, Maxence Lacroix. Sebastian Safford, Safford Bloor is not such a bad name, is it? <laughs> it's a mouthful. Like, you know, when, when your parents divorce and they just slam their two surnames together, it often becomes quite clumsy. And why, it... why don't you choose just one of them just to annoy the other? I'm going Team Bloor. I'm t- hashtag Bloor now. I'm not sure I want the negativity associated with that decision. Okay, um, well, we can talk about that later in the show for about an hour, yeah. <laughs> it's good content, that, for everybody, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, a- a- adaption. Also... I feel like when I when I heard the the stories connecting him with Spurs, I was I was very enthused, and I still am. The fee worries me just because with that fee, which I think is a little bit of an overspend and a little bit of a tax on Premier League broadcasting wealth and those kind of things, I feel like the expectation now is that they've signed a player who is 26, 27, has 50 caps for the Netherlands, and has more experience than just two years in the Bundesliga. Which, let's be fair, it's not a strong defensive league. It's not, the standards aren't that high. It's transitional in its nature. And so there is a bit more emphasis on what he's able to do athletically. I, people have got to be, uh, got to, I, I sound like such a buzzkill. People have got to be gentle with him. They have to be. I think I'll, I'll react to your buzzkill. People have accused me of being a little bit negative of the first two of the new season podcast. Um, and that's because I've got the dark cloud of H. Kane hanging over my head. But if you tell me this fellow turns up the penalty area and he's going to play alongside Romero, who turns up the penalty area, possibly with Pedro Porro on the right-hand side, who turns up in the penalty area, um, with a doggy on the other side who likes to turn up on the penalty spot, this is the kind of Spurs team I've been calling out for. 5-4 every week. Absolutely brilliant. I, could, I mean, of course. Get forward. Have a go, son. I mean, we have spent three years, Seb, parked, you know, parked on the edge of our penalty area, waiting to be shot in the back of the head. That is no place for a human being to be. Um, and I'm, I'm much happier if we, even if we contribute to our own downfall by being too front-footed. Good. Let that be the way we go out. Not on, on our shield, but uh, facing the guns. Brilliant. I should make the point very quickly. There's been two more incomings to Spurs since we last all uh, spoke. Um, Ashley Phillips has joined from Blackburn Rovers. Spurs um, uh, got him for two million quid, activated um, a clause because Blackburn are short of dough and all the rest of it. We were just um, speculating. Uh, Phillips was born in 2005. How does that make most of you feel, particularly the birthday boy, James Moore? We were saying before, he was born on the day that Richard Whiteley died. And I don't imagine that will mean a great deal to my American listeners, but you know, no, you, you can Google it; it's fine. Has it been that long since Richard? Wayne? Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. 
I know. Um, the number one record in Britain at the time was Ghetto Gospel by Elton John and Tupac. I mention this only because the very, very narrow links to Spurs in hip-hop, um, which we first started to speculate about last week when Jay-Z was um, being speculated um, as being the next Spurs owner. And we'll be returning to that brilliant email from somebody a little later in the show. Um, and we've also signed, or on the piece, not quite been announced yet, the 19-year-old Argentinian striker from Rosario Central. Um, he's called Alejo Veliz. Um, and last night uh, I was talking to Tim Vickery about him, the South American football expert. And Tim was saying all this a bit, I mean, even more than you were saying about uh, about Mickey. Um, he was saying, you know, I'm not sure what, what Spurs are doing here. This guy's the guy's all potential. And in the middle of the conversation, he made a comparison. I think it wasn't deliberate. Um, I think he was talking about types of players um, to Martin Palermo, who many of you will remember as a great big lump who came over from Argentina and cemented his name in the legend of European football forever when in a competitive match he missed not one, not two, but three penalties. Um, so, I, I mean, uh, good luck to young Alejo when he gets here. Um, he can only do better than Martin Palermo. Let's be absolutely honest about that. Um, Seb, I want to move on, and I'm sure my colleagues, um, James and, and Tim, want to move on here to the way the German media is behaving. I mean, you live amongst them. Um, what is it? What is going on in Germany? I mean, normally the most, well, I mean, I've spent time and times I spent in Germany have been absolutely delightful. Um, my, my, I, I, when I was my first marriage, I, my in laws lived in Dortmund. It was all lovely. Um, but the German press seems to have gone mad on certain sections of it about this Harry Kane thing. Why are they so invested in shifting Kane to the Bundesliga? Well, I think you mentioned it. There are certain sections of the German press. I mean, the, the, all the experiences I've, I've had firsthand with German journalists have been really positive. Uh, since I've got here, I've needed a lot of help in getting kind of Bundesliga ready. And a lot of people have been very, very kind. What I would say is, uh, I'm sure we'll speak about specific build journalists in a little bit. It seems it's on our plan, yes. Um, but obviously... Bayern Munich are a huge deal to build and Bayern Munich are kind of the only show in town in terms of uh, digital interest in the sense that, I think I've said this before with you guys, but if you were to combine the kind of, if you were to aggregate the interest in Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, whatever. Say, say to remember where you are, say Tottenham, Seb, for God's sake, don't be out, outlying us. And Spurs, obviously. Then that's kind of what the interest in Bayern Munich is like in, in Germany. And so couple of things um the coverage of Bayern Munich is total and um often pretty melodramatic in the way that you might expect and in the sense of you know think about the way that sort of Real Madrid and Barcelona dominate Spanish sports dailies right sort of there's always a story whether it's a good one or not the other thing is that the reporting of of about around Bayern Munich doesn't always take into account how other clubs might react to being sort of the object of that reporting and um it can come across as a little bit entitled. That's not my that's not my takeaway of from German journalism as a whole. Like I find I find that sort of things like press conferences are much more formal than they are in England and people are a bit more respectful. And you know, you I was in a Hamburg uh, press conference a couple of weeks ago in which, you know, Tim Walter got addressed as Herr Walter rather than just Tim. So like there is a decorum there that um perhaps the coverage of the Kane saga uh, doesn't do justice. And yeah, it's been a bit ugly. Um, also, Bayern Munich as a club, there are personalities associated with the club who are used to having their say 
Uli Hernes is obviously piped up a little bit during this process, and that's very normal. It's not it's not something that has been reserved for this particular episode. Seb, uh, final contribution from you because. You've been very, very polite there about German journalism, and rightly so. It is, it is where you're um, earning your corn. Um, but we have appointed as this season's enemy, um, I'll get bored with this in two weeks' time, but uh, this season's enemy is Max Schrader, the fellow who held up the Bayern Munich Kane shirt. What do you know of the fella? Tell us everything you know. I've never come across him. I'm just about to start my second season covering games here, and I've never come across him in in a press room or a press box. I'm not in, I'm not even sure that he's actually a football reporter. I I might be wrong about that, but I the first time I heard his name was after the uh the incident in capital letters as we'll call it. But I I don't know. I I I know nothing of him. I've seen nothing of him since. I I'm afraid as a, a kind of a spy for you, I'm no good here. I know nothing about Max Schrader. Seb, it's been an education as always. Thank you very, very much indeed. Uh, everybody there is uh, Seb Stafford-Bluer um, giving us the latest on Mickey van der Ven, the German media, and our friend Max Schrader. Thanks to Seb for joining us here on The View from the Lane. I thought that was really interesting. I feel like speed is the key here in terms of why they were so keen to bring him in. I know that they looked really closely at Max Kilman from Wolves and that the recruitment team were, were really hot on him. And I can understand why, because he and Van der Ven share an awful lot of attributes in terms of their size, their physicality. Kilman is excellent technically. Um, a similar price as well. I think Kilman could be got for, for 40 million um, from what I hear. He also has family in London. I think he'd been open to the move. But the issue with Kilman is he's not quick. That's what he. That's what he lacks, and I do feel like speed is the key to the to what Postecoglou wants. And from what I'm told, yeah, the recruitment team were really hot on Kilman, but Postecoglou was not, and I'd imagine it's for that reason. So yeah, a really interesting addition. I mean, you've got to say, um, in terms of recruitment, Spurs have brought in, in theory, two players that they've been screaming out for for a while in a in a in a mobile, quick, left sided centre half. And a creative number ten in James Madison, you know, two two players who would have been high on everybody's list at the start of the summer. So, you know, whoever's making the signings um, might know what they're doing. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think both of those will prove to be good additions. And like I said, two things that Spurs have been really lacking. Yeah, I, I think that recovery speed at the back is so important, and that is a thing that in the last few years has kind of ebbed away. And we saw so many times with Carl Walker. I, and it's kind of interesting what Seb was saying about. Uh, Van der Ven like needing to learn, no, needing to learn the game, needing to learn the Premier League, needing to learn how to play with those players alongside him. But when you have that recovery pace, that covers kind of all manner of sins. And we saw that so many times with Walker. Like the, the first two or three, four or five, maybe even years he was in the team, it wasn't that great, but he had that recovery space to get out of trouble. And he has improved game on game, season on season as he worked, you know, he, he, he knew how much of a risk he could take. He learned about the players around him. And obviously now you see he's the best fullback in the league by the time he left Spurs and sure enough, still one of the best fullbacks in Europe now. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I think it's all upside. And to be honest, I'm kind of more enthusiastic about a transfer when we hear the negatives. I, I kind of think when it's all positive, it just kind of sounds too good to be true. So I'm kind of more encouraged by hearing a sort of mixed review. It's more realistic. It, do, it, do, it does sound bon- Danny, you, you, you spelled it out earlier when, when, you, when you listed the back four. Um, <laughs> it does sound it does sound beautifully back four stroke front four yeah even as the idealists will be like oh it's a bit rich for my taste <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to bring in Mickey Hazard yeah. for stability but yeah <laughs> 
Seb's piece on Van der Ven describes him as, what is it, a lorry without brakes? The idea of a lorry without brakes alongside Romero. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you can't you can't have it both ways. You can't be moaning throughout the summer that they haven't signed a left-sided, left-footed defender to play in a four. And then when they do it, um, suddenly say, that's not the right one. Um, we shall see. We shall see. And again, as always... If Poster Coglu has uh, has okayed this, then we you know we'll we'll support it and not be negative about it and not do what we did with Kulusevski after two games deciding that the fellow couldn't play. He played very well yesterday. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to The View from the Lane. Today, it's me, Danny Kelly, James Moore and Tim Spears. Thanks again to Seb Stafford-Bloor for giving us the German angle. Um, just a reminder that you can get in contact with the show via our own Twitter page, at VFTL Podcast, or if you prefer the more old-school method of emailing, we're at VFTL at theathletic.com. Um, and we did receive, I thought, a pretty interesting and hard-worked-on Email following my suggestion to rename the club Hip Hop Hotspur when Jay Z takes over, and this is from Ali, who said, as Danny will no doubt know, he's referring to the fact that um, uh, as a disco vicar, I'm mad about hip hop music. Um, he said the music act most famously associated with Spurs do have a hip hop link. Chaz and Dave played on Labby Sifri's 1975 track "I've Got the," which was sampled over and over again, looped um, by Dr. Dre. Uh, for Eminem's My Name Is. Anyway, your musings on Spurs and hip-hop um, inspired me to create a Spurs Hip-Hop 11. I can only apologise for this. Some of them are fairly tenuous. This started when I said Snoop, a doggy dog. The formation is hopeless because there's no goalkeeper involved, so we put Harry Kane in goal because, um, of course, he famously did play briefly in goal for Spurs. Um, he is Big Daddy Kane. No question about that. One of the great hip-hop acts from back in the day. After that, we've got Jay Zega, and we've got MF Doom Ballet, absolutely brilliant. Uh, JME O'Hara, thank you very much indeed for that. I'm loving the next one for fans of Gangstar. Of course, Gangstar. Inspector Decky is inspired from the Wu-Tang Clan on the uh, right-hand side of midfield there. Lauren Gill. Lauren Gill. Uh, yeah, Lauren Gill, yeah. Um, uh, Slick. Slick Ricky Veer, absolutely brilliant. Um, we've mentioned uh, Snoop Doggy Dog. And up front, Psycho Les Ferdinand and Son Doobie. I might have gone for the more modern Sonny Jim there, but everybody has their taste. And Ali, I hope you spent hours and hours and hours on that because it was well worth it. The manager, by the way, is KRS 
Juan de Ramos. <laughs> very, very good indeed. If you can add to that, over by all means, get in touch with us, either on the Twitter um, or through email. If you can add to uh, that hip-hop 11 with a manager, uh, thanks to Ali for that. Finally, in this little bit of news roundup, um, Lucas Mora, bless him, legend, um, Amsterdam Marina, all that, made his debut for Sao Paulo yesterday in Brazil. I was on air while it happened. Um, and one of his very first contributions to show his enthusiasm for his new club was to get back and defend and give away an early penalty. Um, I understand from the in the nose that this is a stepping stone at Sao Paulo for him to go to the MLS uh, very, very soon. But uh, 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 an indifferent start, shall we say, for Lucas at Sao Paulo, which takes us, um, with not a yawn, because uh, things are really hotting up now, back to our subject du jour for the summer, and that of Harry Kane and, of course, the 5-1 victory over Shakhtar. Let me ask you about it. There's a lot of talk, James, about the uh, the clapping of the crowd afterwards, and we don't want to turn you into a kind of body language expert, but a, a normal club, dot, 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 a normal club expecting to get 100 million of your European Euros anytime soon would not be playing the player in a friendly, would they? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I mean, that, that's all part of the poker game, surely. You know, I, I, I Spurs, if they have ambition to selling him for big, big money, I'm not suggesting they should, but if they do, um, you know, should be chucking him in a team and saying business as usual. And there's nothing more business as usual for Harry Kane than scoring a shadow to goals, right? So I, I, I wasn't really massively surprised to see him in a team given he's still a Tottenham player. Um and I wasn't really massively surprised to see him walk around the pitch applauding everyone afterwards because that, that's basically what he does after every game because he's such a good professional and bloke. Which it doesn't say, isn't to say it won't end up being his last game in the stadium or his last game for Spurs or, or whatever else. But I, I don't think that isn't the golden bullet, as I tweeted yesterday. You know, these conversations Spurs have been having with Bayern the whole summer are the sign that it could happen, not the fact that he clapped some people at the end of a football match. What did you make of it all, Tim? I mean, it'll be. It'll be uh, viewed after the fact, won't it? If if he leaves, then of course it was his his goodbye, his wave goodbye. But no, I I didn't read particularly much into it. I think that the lesson to take from yesterday is that you know what a stark contrast this is from two years ago when uh, obviously Kane didn't play in what the first three games of of that season and and late back to training and all that. This is completely different this time. It couldn't be any more different. The fact that he scored four goals yesterday, I know it's only a friendly, but it shows he's. He, He's he's bang up for it, and um, he's going to be professional throughout this. And he's set his stall out. You know, Bayern are the only club he's he's going to talk to. And if it goes through, then okay. But if not, then there's not going to be any issues with him at the start of the season. Um, that's the big takeaway for me. For all the talk of this Bayern deadline that, that that was kind of rumbling towards the second half of last week, there the, the, there actually is a deadline that Kane has basically stated, or that we believe that Kane has stated which is that he won't leave if he's with the club at the start of the Premier League season. He doesn't want to change clubs mid-season. So, I mean, actually, in reality, maybe we are talking about being into the last five or six days of this one way or another. Maybe there is actually a more tangible immediate deadline than September the 1st. Um, I, I find it quite interesting. I, I don't know how you both feel about this, and it's possible I've, I, I'm now, ironically, overanalyzing. But you watch the four goals that Kane scored yesterday. The second goal, the header, and the fourth goal, the kind of tap-in on the rebound. Both of those goals are goals that I don't think Harry Kane has scored many of in the last few years. Obviously, he's got a lot of goals, 
but he's got a lot of goals from the edge of the box, a lot of goals from kind of second phases from set pieces, and obviously from first phase to set pieces. He hasn't scored a lot of kind of poachers goals in and around the six yard box, actually, from kind of from kind of open play with the ball in a slightly deeper area. So I found it quite interesting that you know there's been a lot of talk about how he would work in this system. And I don't think anyone is deluded enough to think Spurs will be better without Harry Kane. But I kind of found it quite interesting that he scored those kind of goals so quickly. It just feels like he could play in an Antipostococli team who's got an absolute shed load of goals. The thread you might be pulling on there, and forgive me if I'm wrong, is the simple fact that Spurs got forward so much, were on the front foot so much, were looking for their strikers so much, um, and, you know, it, it, it's simple mathematics, isn't it? If you're playing in a, in a pretty defensive team, as Spurs have been for years, and can get 20-odd, and last season, 30-odd goals, um, if you're in a much more attacking team, I'm not suggesting he's going to get 50. There's no reason why you shouldn't get plenty of goals. But I would ask you, Tim, where do you, where are we now in this ever-shifting, kaleidoscopic world of Willie Wonty? I know, I know there's lots of people, quite rightly, I understand their mental place completely, who say, for God's sake, let him go if it means just bringing an end to this saga. But that's going to be so damaging to the team that I can't buy into that. Um, and so I, I am also, you know, like James, overanalyzing the situation with a jeweler's eyepiece to see signs and portents just without putting your professional reputation on the line here because, of course, we change our mind all the time on The View from the Lane. Where are you with the Kane thing? Will he, won't he? It's late now. It's it's August the seventh. Season starts this weekend, so it's it's not just a case of saying, "Forget, for God's sake, let him go." Um, I mean, Postecoglou must be must be tearing his hair out here. But, I mean, the the thing about this is that there are conflicting lines and stories from you know people who who you know have really good contacts from, from both clubs. And this thing about the deadline and was there a deadline or not? I don't think that's. The, Again, very conflicting things coming out in the media over the weekend as to whether that was the case. If Bayern did that, then they've shot themselves in the foot because, you know, surely you guys are no better than me. But to set Levy an ultimatum and a deadline and it's got to be now or never, two weeks before Bayern season, um, feels ludicrous to me. Um, I don't know. It feels like the wind of change is going towards him staying. That's just that's just my, my, my good feeling. Um, maybe it's just, you know, how well they played yesterday, how well he fitted in. I, I, even this deadline of, of this weekend feels a bit feels a bit sort of phantom to me. What if 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 Bayern revive their interest next Monday with, with an offer that Levy likes? His Kane's going to say, "Well, you know, no, you know, I, I said I wouldn't leave before the after the start of the season." So that that's perfectly fair, and I think Postecoglou himself has said in a post match press conference after Shakhtar, he said the only the only deadline in matters is the you know when the transfer window closes. Um, of course, you're absolutely right, Tim, to make the point that the practicalities for both the, clubs. Then the Saudi Arabia, the Saudi Arabia's deadline after that. Oh, yeah. close but, start yeah. with Saudi Arabia as well. <laughs> um, I take the point. I take your point, James. What about you? Um, perhaps uh, in contrast to myself, uh, normally I'm I'm overly optimistic, and perhaps yourself more re- uh, you know uh, flinty-eyed, shall we say, in your views. But I think here we're both hoping. Are we, are we still hoping against hope, James? Yeah, I've kind of I've kind of flip flop a bit. I, I think I might have said sort of I was 90 percent last week, but I, just the very fact it hasn't doesn't seem to have really moved on much. And I know there have been some kind of noises from the German end that they're they're confident it will be done, but I, it doesn't feel like they're getting much closer. All the, the stories we're hearing are, are pretty much the same as the stories we're hearing three or four weeks ago. You know, there are conversations taking place. Fine. 
No, he's he's willing to go. He's happy to go there. He will go there if the clubs agree with fee. Fine. He's not going to kick up a stink. He's happy to play for Tottenham this season. Fine. It, like none of it really seems to have changed that much. Uh, and you know that doesn't go. That doesn't mean there aren't things going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Things could have happened in the last two hours that you know we'll find out about later today. But to me, it doesn't really feel like it's moved especially quickly. And, you know, look, I, I mean, I think you said this the other week, Bayern's deadline really is that September deadline. It should be because with all due respect, and I'll say this now, Seb isn't on the call, uh, they should be fine in their other league games, shouldn't they? Uh, their, their, their first four, three or four league games. It's like when they get into the Champions League and whatever they're playing Dortmund, I guess. Um, that's when they need him. Uh, so th- they should kind of not be that worried about it. And that's why I found that the idea that they were imposing this deadline strange because it, it was it was self-defeating, really. And I don't think, you know, putting someone under pressure in a negotiation is, I don't think, an especially good tactic, especially someone like Daniel Levy, who we know is an incredibly determined businessman and normally comes out on top in those kind of, kind of situations. People have not yet focused on what could happen for Harry Kane. And I'm, I'm, you know, I hope he's listening. Um, at the end of the of, of the current of the season we're going into, people say, "Oh, he'd be able to sign for who he likes." He will be able to sign for who he likes, but he'll be able to um, demand a huge chunk of money. It, it, I'm sure he's not motivated necessarily by that, but he will be able to demand tens of millions as a signing on fee because you would have had to pay this for me in the transfer market. Plus, he will probably double his wages. Um, it's an extraordinary position that the more the best players in the world now running down their contracts. That's the deal because it's not just the wages that happen, but the, the, the fee that your people, your entourage, your agent can demand um, because they just say, well, you would you have to, have to pay a transfer fee. It's huge. And maybe that's why he's not pushing it this summer, as, as far as we tell, you know, as much as he did two years ago, because he knows that in, in, in a year's time, as you say, he could have his, his pick of clubs across Europe. And, you know, we see Bayern offering 400k a week. He could get more than that next year. I'm sure he could, because there'll be no transfer fee involved. And as you say, a big signing on fee. So that's an interesting one. But what's interesting about that is, would, would he do that to Spurs in the sense of no transfer fee involved here? Um, or would he, would he, is, is there a scenario and this is a difficult one to broach from, I guess, a contractual point of view because you're relying on handshakes. But is there a scenario where he agrees with Levy? You know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll sign a deal, but there'll, you know, with a gentleman's agreement that I can go next summer. The phrase this, that pays. The phrase that pays. Gentleman's agreement. <laughs> there it is. I think 2021 again. I think following the gentleman's agreement of 2021, if they're going to go down that route, Tim, uh, they would probably have to say. I, he will say, I will sign a new contract for 12 months with a, a fee of whatever, 60 million in it um, for Spurs to get next summer. Back to the Shakhtar game. We mentioned it very, very briefly. Um, sunshine helps, of course. A big crowd for a friendly helps. Um, I didn't get to, I only saw an extended highlight of it, but extended highlight, Tim, just showed a Spurs team two things, I think. One, endlessly trying to pass the ball but not across the back four, forward. And the number of incursions into, and I don't know where Shakhtar and their fitness in their season, of course, into Shakhtar's penalty area could only be described as optimistic. Yeah, definitely. I think you've got to take the opposition into account. We should say that, you know, they've lost some good players recently. But um, it is promising. Postacoglu, interestingly, was saying or suggesting that they're not yet fully understanding what he wants from them or believing what he wants from them, I think I think is what he said, which is quite an interesting quote. But the most interesting 
thing he said after the game was how he wasn't happy with the last five or six minutes of the first half. He said, we were just playing for 1-0 to get to half time at 1-0 and that doesn't sit well with me, he said. And I can't think of a more contrasting quote with the last guy than that. Not happy, just going, settling for a 1-0 lead at half time. He wanted them to push on. So yeah, um, interesting team selection. Um, it's sort of brought home to me how, how young this team is. You know, if you've got a doggy and, and Saar are going to be are going to be key players in this team this season, then yeah, you know, Seb mentioned the word patience earlier, and that 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 might have to be the case. But it's certainly exciting. Um, the prospect of Kane, Son, Kulisevsky, Richarlison, Madison, Solomon, plus the wing backs or the full backs pushing on, it's exciting. It's tantalising. This could all fall apart against Brentford, but I'm 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 really optimistic about that the attitude this season that he's in, that he's instilling in them, and um, I think that's gonna that's gonna carry them that's gonna carry them through. Yeah, I mean uh, the the interesting one for me, I say, I only saw highlights. So I, was, I was working with Liam Brady yesterday. Was the number of times James in the highlights I saw I saw never extended highlights where James Madison. Now the crowd, of course, had played their part, um, cheering Kane onto the pitch, singing "We want you to stay" throughout. From what I could hear, virtually continuously. But it looked like a one-man campaign by James Madison as well, who um, obviously he's going to look for his centre forward because he's the best striker around, and he, you know he can get lots of assists in that. But he appeared to me at times to be um, almost forfeiting the better pass in order to get the ball to Kane. That's no bad thing, is it? He looked good. He looked good, James Madison. Of course, he would do. He's a tremendous player. Yeah, and we said it the other week, exactly what Spurs have been missing. And, you know, we talked about Kane not having to drop off and be the playmaker. Well, that's obviously because they actually have a playmaker in the team now. Again, I mean, I, I would be very enthusiastic about seeing him in the team. I, I, I'm that, that he really, you know, we're going over our ground a little bit, but he really is the kind of player you want to watch play. Like, he's, he's going to make things happen. He's going to create opportunities for other players. Hopefully, he's going to score some goals himself. Um, it's a huge positive and you know obviously the Kane situation has kind of overshadowed everything else in the last few weeks but I still think there's a lot too positive about whichever way that goes yeah and a lot of I mean just listening to Seb talk about the new incomer just watching the way they set up there hearing Tim talk about the way they were getting forward a lot of a lot of is going to fall on the I mean it won't even be a defensive midfielder Celtic didn't really have one but the person who plays quarterback in this team um, whether it's Bissouma, whether it's Hoiberg, whether it's um, A and other from outside that we haven't heard about yet. Um, the person, inverted commas, holding that Spurs midfield is going to be one busy boy, I suspect, um, at least in the early part of the season while the experiment uh, of going from all defence to all attack. Um, something, I suppose, the nearest example we have is Burnley who went you know, in one close season from a largely defensive team to a largely attacking team, albeit in a lower level, um, and did it with great aplomb. Um, of course, they weren't playing against the juggernauts of uh, Manchester United and Manchester City and Liverpool and Newcastle every week, were they? Um, let, me, let me bring the event horizon forward from, do you think Kane will stay? Do you think you'll start against Brentford in five days' time, James? Um... Oh, you're doing that thing where you're going to make me curse it now. Oh, I, I wouldn't be. At all, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he did. I mean, if he's at, if he's if he plays for Spurs on Sunday, he'll he'll be playing in the game. We'll start the game. Tim. Yeah, I agree. Just feel like it's it's changed slightly in the last couple of days, but I'm sure it'll change again today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll keep an eye out for that. Listen, thank you both very very much. Um, and again, James, happy happy birthday to you, my friend. 
Thank you very much. Yeah, and um, I suppose the birthday present you're waiting for, an Instagram from Harry Kane um, in one of those very thin pairs of trousers he wears with no socks saying, oh, bollocks, I'll stay, I'll stay. Why not? I love it here. I'll stay. Thank you, Tim, as well. Thank you all for listening. It's been uh, a, a tremendous laugh um, and also very interesting. Um, thanks again to uh, Seb Stafford Bluer uh, for his contribution. Just to remind you, the show has its own official home now on Twitter, at VFTL Podcast. We're back to our usual sh- schedules of programming twice a week, free to you and available wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, which is why I say you should sign up for The Athletic Make the most of our summer deal right now. That's just $1.99 a month for 12 months at theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. Till the next one on Thursday when we'll be counting down to Brentford and, more importantly, making our season predictions. And we'll be dragging in all the other members of the VFTL podcast uh, for their season predictions. Um, That's coming up uh, next Thursday. Till then, God bless you all. Cheers for now. The Athletic.